Our scripture reading comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what it is, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Good morning. In the official church calendar, today is Reformation Sunday. I know you woke up thinking about it. I did wake up thinking about it. And when I woke up, I looked outside and I thought, today is a perfect day for Reformation Sunday because when I try to imagine the lives of John Knox and John Calvin and Martin Luther nailing those 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, it is always 50 degrees and raining. But the Reformation is an important thing for us to think about from time to time for a reason that has to do with all of us and that is also quite personal, I think, for any one of us. You can't really do a good job of thinking about where you are or where you're going in life unless you take some time to take seriously where you've been and what's good about that and what could be different. So with that thought, before us. Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious and merciful God, we come before you today and humble ourselves before your holy word. We bring all of ourselves and we ask you to shape our lives according to your will. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want you to take a moment this morning to imagine a neighborhood Presbyterian church, perhaps one that is a bit more typical in today's world than this one. In this church, there are 50 or 75 members, maybe, 
their neighborhood is changing in difficult ways. Poverty and unemployment have been growing in recent decades. Stores and services have moved out. But people are still there, and so is the church. Most churches of such a description do essential things in their neighborhood. Maybe the building is open after school for kids whose parents have no schedule flexibility at work. Maybe they host a hot meal on Wednesday nights for 20 or 30 folks who have come to depend on it. Maybe they gather school supplies in late summer and distribute groceries at Thanksgiving. They have a pantry that has diapers and socks and toiletries. They have an old parish house where sometimes they offer a spare room to someone who has just been released from prison. Now I want you to imagine, for it is true, that there are about 60 Presbyterian churches like what I just described in the greater Cincinnati area. Also, there is an equal or greater number of churches like that that are Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or non-denominational. And on top of that, there are synagogues and mosques and Hindu temples that do many of the same things. And I want you to imagine the collective social crisis that would be at hand if suddenly it all disappeared. It is not just a crisis of mission, for this is not, what, this is not all that religious communities do. At a time when you can read daily in any newspaper about the mental health and substance abuse crisis, crises that are facing our communities, religious institutions provide a whole range of resources that create community and belonging and good health. 12-step programs and soccer programs, scout troops and men's groups, support for people who are grieving, rites of passage for people who are growing and maturing, opportunities for service to help anyone navigate life with meaning and purpose and rise above despair that nothing can be done. All of it happens thanks to the Bible's mandate that we love one another because God loved us first. Larger churches like this one do many of those same things I've been describing, and we have other gifts too. We're large enough to have a youth group to minister to young people who need grounding in their risky teenage years. We support smaller neighborhood churches with whom we are connected. We keep up the church's vital role as a patron of sacred music. We are a place for people to learn about civic and social issues. Friends, we often lament the diminished influence of the church in American society today, but make no mistake about it. There is a legacy in the church that is vital. We keep our communities healthy in all kinds of little ways that collectively are enormous. And we must take seriously our place in that worldwide network.
The problem, of course, is that the culture is changing. There is no one cause that we can point to, but in most cases, it is a combination of a few things. The cultural movement away from established institutions, the hypocrisy, real or perceived, of those institutions themselves, the church's failure to change and to be relevant to the world beyond its walls. As a result, in the decade that I've been with you in ministry, the Presbytery of Cincinnati has closed two or three churches a year. This year, one of those congregations was one that Knox helped to found. Culture-wide, there are millions leaving the church in our country every year, and the fastest-growing religious demographic in our country is those who claim no affiliation at all. And here we are, Knox Presbyterian Church, somewhere in the middle of it all. By plenty of measures, we are growing and doing fine. But is it merely true that we are drawing new members just a little bit more successfully than our neighbors, and that we are drawing from a well that is quickly drying up? Maybe. Five hundred years ago, the Protestant Reformation reshaped the church in a very comparable set of circumstances. In that time, people had lost trust in their local congregations because of lack of transparency and abuses of money and abuses of power. People started to leave including some of the priests and civic leaders and regular families who had been a core of the institution in the past. It took generations, about 200 years, for Protestantism to figure out what the heck it was doing, and for the Roman Catholic Church to also respond and to reform itself in many ways. Something new was born but not before a long period of great upheaval and uncertainty. Much like now, no one knew what the church was going to look like in the future. There were some really good things about the Reformation. It recentered Christian leadership in the guidance of the Bible. It separated the church from the harmful influence of politics and power, at least at first. It put faith back in the hands of the people. Of course, many of those hopeful signs did not last. In the culture of the last hundred years, the church's growing alignment with power and influence has often threatened its integrity as a simple mission of following Jesus. And so we are in a time of upheaval and uncertainty yet again. But there is another contribution of the Reformation that is well worth listening to and that has the potential to outlast the changes that are threatening the church. The Reformers' motto was that they always wanted to be, in the Latin, Ecclesia Reformata Semper Reformanda, or reformed and always reforming, according to the word of God. 
500 years ago, they were smart and humble enough to realize that they probably did not have it all figured out, and that someday the church they were working to form would inevitably change again. It's a biblical idea, one that can be supported with any number of passages of Scripture, but this week I'm speaking about it with reference to Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. What could be more inspiring than to think that throughout our lives, we get to be renewed? In each new chapter, on every day, in fact, we have a chance to start over, to grow in our perspectives, to understand more than we did yesterday, to increase in wisdom and in depth, and most of all, in love. Of course, love has been the foundation of Christ's ministry all along. So in Romans 12, Paul immediately follows this invitation to be renewed and transformed with a list of no less than 29 different ways one can increase in love. We can never run out of ways to love, never lack for occasions to love, never come up short of people to love. Love is the way to learn to mature, change, and grow. Love is the thing that helps us avoid a life where we stagnate, regress, and lose our way. Love is the way for our lives to be renewed and transformed, and there are so many ways for us to do it. Love is what Jesus did, and when it is doing its best work, love is what the church does. We shared with you last week that Knox Presbyterian Church is at work on implementing a new strategic plan. And at first mention, that sounds really boring, doesn't it? <laughs> 500 years ago, in the midst of a church in crisis, Martin Luther, at the risk of his very life, nailed 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg and started the Protestant Reformation. And here at Knox... We hired a management consultant and hope to capture your imagination by showing you a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> there is great risk that that PowerPoint presentation, like the three ring binders of the last generation, will find itself onto a shelf in the pastor's office and will stay there while we watch the church die. But here's the thing, I still feel called to this work of ministry, so I cannot believe that. I can't believe it because I sat in the rooms with the passionate members of our strategic planning team. They are talented, busy people who gave countless hours of their time to this work. And we talked about their stories, and they told stories that they heard from you about why you love this place. And I know that in this congregation, every week, people are met in their own lives by the depth of Jesus Christ's love. 
people find Jesus' love at work here at Knox, and they want to share it with the next generation. And there is awareness that we are living in a time when the church is quickly changing, and we need to figure out how to respond, and we will. One of the four pillars of our new strategic plan is called proactive invitation and connection. Just in case you're not swept up by that language, <laughs> I want to be clear to you about how you saw it in action this morning. The Wolf family, Britt and Eric and their girls Elise and Lincoln, have found a welcome and a home here. They've made friends. They want their family to be shaped by the way of Jesus Christ as they say it, see it lived here. They are deeply committed to all three of those churchy words we say to you every stewardship season. They are committed to this place in time, talent, and treasure. You saw evidence of it this morning. We have about 50 newer families who have found their way to this church in the last several years. We have to be com committed, absolutely committed, to making sure that all of them know how glad we are that they have come and that we look forward to knowing how they will commit and share their gifts. And it is not just about new people. They must be joined by every one of you who have been here for 10 or 20 or 60 years who need to ask yourself if your relationship to the church has become as dusty as an old strategic plan. Does your relationship with God need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? If a new family comes and sits next to you in church on Sunday, if someone you meet at Target or at a work event or at a neighborhood party happens to find out that you go to church at Knox, will they be inspired by your story, by the life you lead, by the ways that you are seeking to renew it every day? If the answer to any of these things is no, it is time to ask why and to pray about it, and to be renewed. You are not finished yet. You are in the making. You can learn, mature, think, change, and grow. You also have the freedom to stagnate, regress, and lose your way. Which road will you take? That's author Brian McLaren in his book, We Make the Road by Walking. It's a book about the future of faith communities in this time of great change. And he starts by describing these two roads, which are possible for all of us as individuals. And then he says they're also possible for spiritual communities, like this one that we share. Which road will we take? 
And my answer, we will rise. We will rise. Of course, that has to be the answer. We will rise to the occasion. We will grow and mature. We will change and thrive. For who reads an invitation like that and, who wa- and wants to take the alternative path to stagnation and defeat? No one. And we cannot. The costs are too great, and so is the opportunity to rise and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The church has changed before, and it will change again in ways that none of us are able to imagine. Because what remains the same, as Paul stated it so long ago, is that there are countless ways to love. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let us rise together to the call that God has placed before us and love one another because God loved us first.